Welcome to Foundations of Pentecost, dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before you this morning, Lord. God, I pray that your presence would just be with us this morning. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to the Spirit this morning, that we would hear what you would have to say to us. God, that it would make a difference in our lives, that your Word would change us and mold us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been on a series on the book of from the book of Acts, and uh, fortunate for you, we are getting near the end of the series. Of course, next next week we will be. Uh, uh, stepping away from our series on the book of Acts uh, and looking at the Christmas story. And uh, then the following week being Christmas Sunday, we will not be having class that morning. And uh, so on Christmas Day. And uh, so um, it's going to be here before we can hardly blink. Um, so we will not uh, obviously be on our series that Sunday. But I think we have uh, three more lessons, two more after today, I believe, um, to complete the series. Anyway, so we are getting close to the end. So this morning we are going to be looking in Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, and we are going to read a little bit lengthy portion. A lot of times I read more of a lengthy portion than um, probably I should at times. But this morning, um, it's going to be a little bit lengthy because really we need to read the entire chapter. So... I am cropping a few verses from the beginning and the end just so that I can say I didn't make you listen to me read the entire chapter. But uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 4. The Apostle Paul is standing before uh, Agrippa to give his um, testimony and his defense and he says, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 26, My manner of life from my youth, which was at first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify in that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, come 
or hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Verily, I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, and having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the, apostle, uh, which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth that these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost... Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. This morning, the title of our lesson is The Power of a Personal Testimony. When we look at the book of Acts, particularly chapters 24, 25, and 26, there are some things that stand out 
about Paul's testimony. First of all, is that the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ are true and reasonable. The second thing we find is that as the gospel is presented, it calls for a decision to be made by those that hear. And then last of all, the response of those that hear our testimony is left up to the individual and to God. We are not responsible for the response of those that hear our testimony. And so we are going to be looking at the Apostle Paul's testimony this morning. And we are going to be looking at uh, what uh, he had to say before King Agrippa. First of all, Paul begins to tell his story. Paul begins to relate his life story. Sometimes in sharing the gospel, it is a good and important thing for us to just simply share what God has done in our own lives and what God has done for us. This is the third time in the book of Acts that the story of uh, Paul's conversion is related. Uh, in each of the three accounts that we find in the book of Acts, there are variations of his testimony depending on who uh, it is being shared with. And, and the, uh, depending on the, the, uh, the aspects and the points that are being emphasized and that need to be emphasized at the time. And so Paul begins by sharing his personal testimony and about his coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we find that Paul does is he as he begins to share his testimony is he begins to share about his past. He begins to tell about his life before he received Jesus Christ. All of us have a different story to tell about our past. Some of us may have stories to tell about how we went into the depths and the degradation of sin. Others of us that were saved as children may not have uh, some of the uh, uh, tells to tell that some of the other, but there is still a difference that takes place in our life from conversion. And there is something in our past that, that we can share with other people. One of the things that the Apostle Paul begins to tell about his past is that his past was not hidden, but it was public. He said, uh, the past, my past life and the way I was before coming to Jesus Christ is something that is public. It is something that is well known. You can verify my testimony, not just because I am telling you this, but it is something that can be verified. It can be seen from other people. Then as he begins to share his testimony and he begins to tell about his past, one of the things he tells about his past is that Paul was religious. 
Even though Paul had, had a lot of things in his past, Paul was a very religious individual. Even the things that, that sometimes we point to and how that he was a persecutor of the church, he was doing it as a religious person. The Pharisees were a group that were very meticulous defenders of the law or of the Scripture. And even though Paul was a Pharisee, Paul was a defender of the, of the Word of God, and yet, in his defense of the Word of God, he still did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know it is possible for us to know the Scriptures? It is possible for us to be a very religious person. It is possible for us to sit in church Sunday after Sunday and be faithful in our attendance and still not know the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul was a very religious person, but he did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowledge of the Scripture alone is not enough to bring us to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 beginning at verse 1, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. We can have a knowledge of Scripture. And sometimes if we are not careful, we can think because we have knowledge of Scripture that we're okay. And sometimes we can come, become built up in pride because of our knowledge of Scripture. But we must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A knowledge of Scripture without proper context and without proper interpretation can lead us astray. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writing, speaking of the writings of Paul, says, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other Scriptures to their own destruction. And that's what Paul did in his life before coming to Jesus Christ, is he knew the Scripture, he took the Scripture, but he took the Scripture in his own way and twisted them in his own way to to justify the things that he did, but it will bring about our own destruction when we do not have the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons the Holy Ghost comes is to open our understanding of Scripture. Now, this does not mean that only the enlightened can understand the meaning of Scripture. Sometimes we take it too far and say, say, well, you have to have you know, an enlightenment and you have to be shown the light to understand the Scripture. The meaning of Scripture is not hidden. And that's why I said we must know, understand the Scripture both 
by, by being enlightened by the Holy Ghost, but we must also in, understand it within its context. God did not write the Scripture and dictate the Scripture in such a way as to be some mysteric, mysterious uh, 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 writing that we cannot understand unless we have some kind of enlightenment. There are those that teach... Well, you can't understand the Scripture unless you've been enlightened. And then once you're enlightened, you see it in a certain light and you see it a certain way. No, the Scripture enlightens us. As we read the Scripture and as we see the Scripture for what it says, not for some uh, esoteric meaning that is not already written there, but it is written plainly for us to understand. And yet the God of this world, Satan, will blind our minds to the truth of what the Scripture sometimes says. And if we are not careful before coming to Christ, sometimes we'll put our own interpretation or our own spin on Scripture to try to justify living the way we want to live. But when we truly read... The Scripture, as it is written, we understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not only this Paul, in relating his past, tell us that it is public. Does he tell us that his, in his past he was religious? Though his religion did not bring him to salvation. But he said he was also a persecutor of the church. He fought against the truth. Paul consented to Stephen's death. Here, we know that he had letters. We read in his testimony how he was going to Damascus. In this particular passage, he says that he was sent by the chief priest to many other cities or to other cities. And then as he was going to Damascus. So this trip to Damascus was not his first trip to another city to persecute Christians. This is just the one in which God uh, came and appeared to him. After Paul relates his past experience... Then he begins to tell about his call to repentance. He begins to share how Jesus Christ appeared unto him. First of all, there was a supernatural intervention. We can tell people about the Word of God. We can tell people about Jesus Christ. But until God reveals Himself to them, there will be no conversion. Now, God will reveal Himself. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, no man is without excuse. They can't say, well, God just never did reveal. It doesn't take the kind of revelation that the Apostle Paul had. Matter of fact, the Scripture reveals Jesus Christ. But Paul had a supernatural intervention when God came and revealed Himself to him. 
God in speaking to the Apostle Paul said, Jesus Christ as God speaking to the to Saul at the time, said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He was using a metaphor, but he was saying, Paul, you know the Scriptures. And because you know the Scriptures, and because you have studied the Scriptures, your conscience has been pricking you. And you have heard men like Stephen preach the Gospel. And it is getting harder and harder for you to deny the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet Paul continued, or Saul at the time, continued to run from God. And then... At the time of his conversion, Paul experienced what each one of us experience when we turn our life to Jesus Christ, and that is that we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. We become new creatures. Jesus Christ. Paul tells of his past. He relates to Festus and to King Agrippa at this time. He relates his calling, how that he has been called to repentance. But at the time of his salvation, God then gives him a commission which he relates. He begins to tell that he is to carry the gospel both to the Jew and to the Gentile. When we come to the Lord for salvation, there is an immediate commission that is placed upon our life to go into all the world and take the gospel. Paul didn't have to be saved for a long period of time before he began to realize the burden and the need to share the gospel with others. We do find as we read in Scripture that Paul spent a number of years in the Arabian desert in which God spoke to him and taught him and where he learned we do find that there is a time of learning and, and, and we, are, we should constantly be improving on, on how that we share the gospel. And, and uh, uh, it's a mistake when we think that we do not need any training or that we do not need to, to listen to others who can help us to learn how to carry the gospel. And that does not mean that we get saved one night and the next night that we're to be in the pulpit preaching. And yet, it does carry with it a call and a commission to begin to tell others of Jesus Christ as soon as we come to know Him. What does it mean to testify? Strong's Concordance tells us that witness 
means to give evidence, attest, confirm, confessing, hearing record, speaking well of, giving a good report, testifying, affirming that one has seen, heard, or experienced something. In the New Testament, the word witness is used particularly for presenting the gospel with evidence. Our English word martyr comes from the Greek word for witness, suggesting that a witness is one willing to die for his testimony. Paul stood now before Festus and before King Agrippa, sharing his testimony boldly. He had boldly proclaimed his testimony before the Jews. As we have gone through the book of Acts, there have been times that Paul has been stoned. There has been times that Paul was left for dead. Paul was not afraid to give his testimony even if it meant death. Paul gives his record and then Paul preaches a message. His testimony that he gives is not simply to say, this is what has happened to me. But Paul begins to lay out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul begins to say, not only has this been what God has done in my life, but this is what God wants to do for you. This is what God wants for your life. First of all, as he presents the gospel, as Paul gives his report, before King Agrippa. He first of all lets them know in verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come. When he speaks of the prophets and of Moses, he is talking about the Scripture as his source for the things that he is saying. He is saying that the things that I have preached are based upon the Word of God. As we give our testimony, and as we begin to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ, we must share to them about the Lord Jesus Christ based upon the Word of God. Far too often, we have tried to witness, we have tried to carry the gospel without basing it on the truth of Scripture. How many times during this Christmas season will we hear the story of the birth of Jesus told? And as it is repeated, and as it is told, 
to try to make the story more interesting or more colorful. The story will be told about the baby born in Bethlehem to such, an agree, to a, such a degree that it will have no semblance to that which is recorded in Matthew and in Luke. Sometimes we try to share the gospel and we try to make it more colorful, thinking that, that by putting it in our own words, we're making it more attractive when we are actually taken away from the power of the Word of God. We must base it on Scripture. Then we find not only the source of Paul's message was the Scripture, but we look at what he spoke to them about. The Bible says in the verses that we read that he spoke to them about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. The suffering or about his death, how that he died on the cross. He spoke to them about the resurrection. And then He spoke to them about the new life that we can have in Christ, or regeneration, conversion. Not only do we find the substance of what He spoke to them about, but then we find the scope of His message. First of all, The purpose of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ is that blind eyes might be open to the truth of the gospel. The second reason that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ is that men might turn from the power of Satan to God. And then, we preach and teach and testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ that men might find forgiveness of sin. And then last of all, is that there might be sanctification among those who come to Christ. A true relationship with Jesus Christ will result in godly living. We are not saved by good works, but when we are saved, good works will follow. When we are saved by grace, it will change our lives. Sometimes we get things backward. and Sometimes we try to clean up people before we bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we try to preach sanctification before... The, and, and, and that is what we call legalism. When, 
when we begin to, to teach that a person has to live by a certain set of rules in order to be saved. But sometimes we go to the opposite extreme. We, we indicate that it doesn't matter how one lives. We're saved by grace. And as long as we come to God, we can live any way we please. James tells us He'll show us our, His faith by His works. Our faith is seen by our works. If we have no works, if we have no sanctification in our life, then we have no true faith. After Paul preaches his message, we find the results that takes place. As Paul begins to reason of salvation, righteousness, Felix interrupts him. Or rather, not Felix, but Festus interrupts him. And says, Paul, you're mad. Much learning has made you mad. In other words, he said, Paul, you've done so much studying and thinking that, that you've become insane. Sometimes when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's going to be times we're going to face some accusations. There's going to be some times that we may get called names. We may get some insults hurled our way. The truth of the matter is when Festus accuses Paul of being mad, it's quite possible that the reason he did so was because Festus was understanding a little more of what Paul was saying than what he wanted to own up to. Sometimes when people can't understand what we're saying or they don't want to understand what we're saying, they will retort to name-calling. That's basically what Festus was doing here. And more than likely... Festus cried out because the Holy Spirit was beginning to deal with him and bring conviction on him and to vent and to get rid of that conviction. He accused Paul of being insane. Not only was there accusations as a result of Paul's ministry, but there were those who were near to conversion. Agrippa said, You have almost persuaded me. Apparently, 
Paul's arguments before Agrippa. And Paul indicates in speaking that Agrippa already had some understanding. This was not the first time Paul or that Agrippa had heard of Jesus Christ. This was not the first time he had encountered this. <coughs> Pardon me. And Agrippa is hearing these things, but he is unwilling to surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. It is not a lack of understanding. Often, people fail to come to Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior and Lord. Not because they do not understand the Scripture. Not because it has not been explained to them. But they do not want to surrender to Jesus Christ and to His authority. They do not want to turn their life over to Him. Many have suggested, and many times they will talk about, we come to Jesus Christ as Savior, and now that you've come to Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to take Him as Lord. But you cannot come to Jesus Christ as Savior without surrendering your life to Him as Lord. And that is what has kept so many people from coming to Jesus Christ is to come to Jesus Christ is to say, I surrender all. It is good for us as Christians to go back and once again sing and say, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. But to come to Jesus Christ for salvation means that we have to come to Him in total surrender and say, take my life. It is yours. I am coming under your authority to do with me as you please. And Agrippa was not ready to surrender authority of his life. And surrender control of his life to Jesus Christ. And so he said, almost, you have proven by the facts you have given that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I am not ready to submit. While the examples we have in this passage are of accusation and near conversion. Let it not be forgotten that throughout all of Paul's ministry, he witnessed and there were a multitude of genuine conversions. And so I don't want us to take away from this passage that there will not be a reaping of the seed that we have sown. As a matter of fact, Paul through his letters and through his writings that we find in the New Testament still reaches men and women with the gospel of Jesus Christ today. One of the most effective tools that is used to bring men and women to Jesus Christ is to take them to the writings of Paul in the book of Romans in what we call the Romans Road and begin to take them through and say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And we continue on through the book of Romans and begin to show them from the words of the Apostle Paul. And there have been many who have come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Both as he lived and now as the words that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, still continue to live today and work in the hearts and lives of individuals. And then last of all, it opened new opportunities. Paul had appealed to Caesar. Previously in his appeal to Caesar, it had saved his life. But now... This appeal to Caesar, which took place in chapter 25, verse 3, would be the means by which the Apostle Paul would be given passage, free passage to Rome, and a public form from which to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as new opportunities to witness begin to open for the Apostle Paul. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, I pray this morning that we might be challenged by the Holy Ghost to share our testimony with the world and proclaim the good news that Jesus saved, that Jesus saves. Lord, as we'll see next week in our lesson. That's why you came. Is that we might receive salvation from our sins. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.